1: There's so much pressure on academics. There's so much pressure on getting good grades and passing a test. But when our children are 18 and they go out into the real world,
0: what really matters? Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. All right, today on The Less Stress Life, we have Lindsay Morris, who is a recovering type A perfectionist, thanks for admitting it as the first step, who learned the hard way about burnout and not prioritizing self-care. She shares this powerful lesson through training and online courses about simple wellness practices that can be easily implemented into classrooms, companies, and communities around the world. She's the creator of the first Wellbeing App for Schools, which sold over 5,000 online courses while she was sick during the pandemic and now helps Purpose-driven entrepreneurs create their online courses. Lindsay is a multi-passionate entrepreneur who believes that every human has a gift to share with the world. However, in order to share the gift long-term, we must first gift ourselves grace, love, and permission to pause. And I was telling Lindsay off-air; I didn't even expect that our conversation would go this way. Because when I first reached out to Lindsay and her team, she was under the weather, which we will talk about. And I know her from mutual friends and colleagues. And I was really impressed with the school program that she had put together. So she'll be able to tell us about that. But welcome, Lindsay.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I was excited when you popped up on my calendar this week. So (laughs) let's go back to the beginning, which is always kind of fun. Your company is called Generation Wellness, which is really... A wellness program for schools and maybe corporate wellness a little bit. And I think maybe I just have like a particular soft spot for this and interest. I used to contract for the Department of Education and do some things in school nutrition. And so anyway, and I have children. So I just care about this topic. Who does not care about this topic? I hope we all do. So talk to us about how like this happened, right? What were you doing before? How did you get into what you have now, and how did it evolve in the last year, which is a telling year on being able to pivot and evolve and be malleable.
1: Yes. Okay. So I guess how it all evolved is I was a fourth grade teacher. I had big dreams of changing the world. I walked into my fourth grade classroom and quickly realized that no matter how much I prepared for the lesson plan, I had to be prepared to teach and interact with human beings So I remember this one math lesson that I was doing after lunch. I was so excited about it. I'd prepped all weekend and I was teaching and I looked out and like half of my class was not with me. Either they're leaning back in their chair, tapping their pencil, or they were, you know, in a daydream or talking to each other, not focused. And then I'll always remember this moment. One of my students walked in late and it was in the afternoon and she whispered to me, Ms. Morris... I just had to move out of my house and I'm living in the Walmart parking lot. And in that moment, I was like, this is far more than teaching academics. For me, the first thing is always building connection with students. And so fast forward a couple years, I became a school counselor. And I just continuously saw how stress was impacting students and staff. And it was leading to higher rates of depression, anxiety, burnout, dropout. and sometimes even suicide like we hear about in the news. And so I thought there's so much pressure on academics. There's so much pressure on getting good grades and passing a test. But when our children are 18 and they go out into the real world, what really matters? And I asked this to the parents that I was working with and they would say, I want my child to be happy. So why aren't we teaching happiness? Why aren't we teaching self-love? Why aren't we teaching All of these soft skills that aren't really soft, they're like the skills that make our life. And so that's really been my passion is teaching life skills to educators, students, and families.
0: So you first, after being a school counselor, you then transitioned into speaking So you can tell us a little bit about that if you traveled around, but then things dramatically changed and there was no speaking opportunities, right? What happened next?
1: Yeah, thanks to a pandemic. So in 2014, I left the education system with a mission to change it from the outside, focusing on strengthening hearts, minds, and bodies. So for the next five, six years, I guess it was six years, I was on the road. I was traveling the world, speaking in schools, China, Dubai, Italy. All over the country about wellness and how really wellness is the foundation of everything we do. And then COVID-19 hit and everything changed. And if you're listening, you can probably relate to in some way, 2020, there was some change in your life. So, and I'll never forget coming home from a conference, Reno, Nevada in early March and knowing that I shouldn't have gone to the conference intuitively, I knew I shouldn't go. But I called the conference planners and they were like, you can't back out of this. I was around 1000s of people. And the trainings, people aren't just sitting in their chairs, they're up and high fiving, they're hugging, they're doing activities. So think if we were doing that now. And this is when COVID is alive in our country. And so I got back from that experience got off the plane. Most of my events had been canceled, I received the emails. And my heart just sank because not only I felt like I can't do what I love, but now I have no income. How am I going to pay my bills? (laughs) And so we had about one month to pivot to online courses. And good thing we did because within a couple of weeks, I was in the hospital with COVID and my mom was in the hospital with COVID. And it was quite the experience in 2020 with COVID long hauler.
0: So, this was in mid April. And when did you get back from the conference? Was that the beginning of April? March 7th is when I got off the plane. Oh, okay. So,
1: yeah. yeah a couple we, weeks later. Yeah, we experienced symptoms a couple weeks after that. And then it just got really bad. My mom was in the hospital early April. I was in the hospital the week after
0: her. So, hmm. yeah. You don't want to be on the early end of that either, probably.
1: No. And nobody knew what was happening because at the time, some people thought it was just like the flu. And, you know, the doctors were looking for respiratory and checking us out. You would go to the COVID unit if you were experiencing respiratory issues. My mom and I weren't. Mine was all neurological. So in mid-April, I showed up to the hospital. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. My face was looking. And now my mom and I were looking at the studies from China and the UK. So we were aware that it was neurological. It could be. But they had no idea. And it's been hard because we've had to live on uncertainty so much. The doctors don't always know what's going on because it's a new virus. And they don't know. It's not like they're saying, you have cancer. Here's the treatment plan. They're like, your body is doing the weirdest things. We've never seen this before. This is a new virus. We don't know what to do. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes we were sent home from the hospital and my mom and I felt like we were being sent home to die. And it was really scary and really freeing at the same time because i finally had to learn to surrender and that lesson that experience is going to stay with me forever and it applies to everything in my life because i'll admit it i was a control freak before this and you know educators oftentimes want to have control over their classrooms and speaking having control over my events and how they go and You know, I feel like I just gripped life so tightly wanting an outcome. But this experience, it's like palms are open. I had no idea if I was going to make it. I had to stop working for three months. My neurologist said, you cannot work. I was having seizures, the whole thing. And so even though it was a really scary experience,
0: I learned so much through it. And hindsight is always twenty twenty because I'm sure at the time you didn't have very much gratitude for those feelings and no. no one who is struck with a significant thing because I feel like in a similar way, autoimmunity can be this way. It's like a perfect storm of situations and then it's like now you have this thing and it can be pretty defeating and feels pretty crappy. I mean, literally any kind of diagnosis could feel like this, right? It could be anything because I've had people give me a similar but very different example. Well, there's one that's sticking out to my mind right now. I ran a mom's group for kids with eczema once. And I remember this mom saying, the doctor said something about like this illness. And she said, it struck me, my daughter has an illness. And so the ability to start, I think often it's like, it's trying to get our attention, right? Um, I don't know if that's really a fair thing. I mean, there's nothing fair about what happens to a lot of people and including you, right? But it's like, man, it really stinks. But it made you slow down. So let's actually walk through that timeline because it helps me visualize it better. So we're getting off the plane the beginning of March. We're coming down with symptoms a couple of weeks later. Do you and your mom then end up staying together? I assume she was at the conference with you.
1: No, she was not at the conference with me, but I came home and visited her right when I got back. And so, yes, I ended up staying at my mom's house because I was so afraid I wouldn't wake up. So I stayed at my mom's house for a couple of months. She was helping me get better when she was in the hospital. I was helping her get better. And we had each other during that time. So yeah, yeah.
0: that was probably kind of pivotal, actually, because I mean, it was very challenging, but it was better to be with her than to be alone. Right. Yes. I'd be alone. (laughs) Right. Right. So we came home, we're getting the emails that your events are canceled. And I think before you got sick, maybe you decided we're going to go online, right? Like was your business already called Generation Wellness? Were you already speaking about the same things?
1: Yes. So for six years before speaking about the same exact thing, I also had a government contract. They were interested in online courses. So I had already scripted out my course called Workplace Wellness Academy. So that was scripted. We just had to film it, edit it. We did that in early March and then we launched it in April. And thank goodness we did because (laughs) I wasn't able to show up anywhere for months and at least I could, you know, have some sort of impact during the time that I wanted to be there most for people. And I often say this analogy. It felt like 9 11 happened and, you know, the firefighters, they were ready to go in and serve. What we teach about wellness, this is a pandemic. We want to go into schools and serve. The students are stressed. Teachers are so burnt out with virtual learning. It's all new. And this is our time, Generation Wellness, to come into schools. And I was laying in bed sick myself. But at least the courses, we sold 5,000 courses in eight months. So I feel like 5,000 educators at least were exposed to many tools that can help them with self-care and wellness.
0: I just want to underline, like, it's dramatic, right? So you had some really good things going, which this helps me make sense of it in my brain a little bit better, too, because what you have doesn't like just fabricate, right? So you had six years of experience, it was in program format, you had it ready to go kind of, or you did have it ready to go right before you got sick. And then you hired some team members, and they basically carried it for you. I mean, you were probably in touch, right? Or no? Yeah. Yes. On my phone,
1: we do an app called Boxer. So we walk and talk to each other. So luckily I had hired virtual assistants in 2019. And so they knew the systems. And then we worked out the systems for online courses and they really held Generation Wellness together for those months when I was in bed and they would do all the back end work. When organizations email us wanting courses, they were the ones granting the offers in Kajabi. It's called granting offers for courses and they really carried it. So I am a firm believer in team. And I tried to do it so long myself because I thought I can just do this faster or I can do this. like Nobody's going to be able to do this. But it forced me to be in bed and be like, I can't do this. So (laughs) surrender again, and then watch the team come in and support. And this whole thing, I've never experienced so much support. And I think it's because I let people finally support me. Where before I was like, I'll just put myself. Hmm, that's a
0: good nugget, Lindsay. <laughs> i will support you. I love it. Thank you so much for saying that. Oh man. Okay, so it sounds like you were in and out of. You were certainly ill, but you were in and out of the hospital. So sometimes you were home. Sometimes you were kind of capable of communicating with the team. It's insane to me. Let's actually like emphasize a little bit more how the team stepped up and really created that impact. I mean, I think the thing to stay here is that they were in place before, which is nice, right? Like. If you had to get sick, you had some things going in the right order for you, I guess a little bit, right? Like I'm just so happy (laughs) that the impact was still there, despite you being generally incapacitated, right? Kind of a big deal. So let's continue on this roadmap or this journey. We're three months in and out with neuro symptoms. When do things start looking better for you and how?
1: Well, things took a turn for the worst in August. August is our busiest month because that's when back to school is. And so schools want trainings. In 2020, it was all virtual. So we jam-packed the schedule because we wanted to serve and I overdid it. And actually, at that same time, they found lesions on my brain from the cytokine storm of the COVID attack. So in August, I find out I have brain lesions. I have all these events booked. Trainers are on the call with me just in case I can't remember what I'm saying. And it got really bad. I mean, I was presenting with the left side of my body. It felt like it was on fire. My whole face was numb. My body was numb. Crazy symptoms. So that's when the neurologist said, you can't work anymore. And basically, from August until the end of the year, I took off. I did a couple little things. And then I let myself sleep for 10 to 12 hours a night. My brain needed to recover. And I surrendered and the team took the lead and things started to get better after emergency surgery in November, which was gallbladder removal surgery, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to add mm-hmm. another kicker in for 2020. But after that happened, I started to feel better. And, you know, I just finished the second dose of Moderna vaccine and they're actually seeing some research that the vaccines are helping COVID long haulers with their symptoms are going away. And I'm experiencing that. So that's exciting. Uh, yeah. So good news there because the long hauler stuff, they don't understand it yet. They don't understand why some people get COVID, they die. Some people get COVID, they don't have symptoms. Some people get COVID, they have long hauler where it acts like it's a virus that's flares and then goes back down and flares up again.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: talk about uncertainty and going with the flow and just trusting the process. But I definitely feel like today I feel 90% back to normal.
0: Yay. 2020, I was not there. (laughs) And it sounds like you had some trainers in... I mean, what happened when you had to take three months off and it was your busiest time suddenly? Who filled in for that? Was it different types of team members?
1: Yeah, so August was our busiest time and I did those trainings. And September is our slowest time because it's back to school. All the Mm -hmm. teachers are getting their classroom set up, school starting. Well, 2020, it was their virtual classroom. (laughs) And then, you know, we just didn't do virtual events during those three months. We did like one or two towards the end, like around November. So, It was fine. We just went with it because we were still selling the courses and we had created five virtual products that schools could purchase. So instead of showing up live, we could impact through the computer and not showing up.
0: Well, tell me more about how Generation Wellness serves schools and kids. And it's not meant to be. There's like. I'm just genuinely interested because it's a gap in, I mean, is it education's, is it their duty to do this? I don't know. That's not that necessarily the conversation, but it's pretty hard to get some of this in other places. So please tell us about how it really serves the kids and the teachers.
1: Yes. Okay. So it's all brain-based and basically the foundation is the three parts of the brain. Our basement brain wants safety. Our downstairs brain wants connection and our upstairs brain is the learning brain that we do academics and we, you know, have these thoughts and our creativity. So our whole thing is the education system tries to teach to the top level of the brain. But the problem is a lot of students are still in their safety brain. They've experienced trauma, stress. They missed the bus this morning their alarm didn't go off. They got in a fight with a sibling I mean, the list goes on and same with teachers, you know, if you think about their chronic stress and the trauma most people have experienced, I know I have, we can't really start with wanting the top of the brain when you first have to get to, do I feel safe? Do I feel connected? And then I can learn. So Generation Wellness provides that framework, we call it regulate, connect, reflect. So regulate is the safety, Connect is the connection and reflect is the higher level thinking. And so all we do is encourage schools and companies to do at least one regulate connect reflect activity a day. It's ideal if they take a brain break every hour. And these are short practices like doing some deep breathing, doing some movement, doing a partner icebreaker, doing an audio relaxation. But the results that we see from just five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day decreases the amount of classroom management because 40 minutes a day is wasted on classroom management. You know, students are shouting out or throwing chairs. Why don't we take some time to regulate and then connect and then teach? So that's the basis of generation wellness is that regulate, connect,
0: reflect framework. So you said there's five products though. So how do they differ for a different audience? I think some are workplace. I mean, so if this is the premise, how do they differ?
1: Yes. Okay. So Workplace Wellness Academy is for staff wellness and it's 20 strategies for their own regulate, connect, reflect. The next one is Resilient Schools Academy. And these are just two to four hour online courses. And Resilient Schools Academy is how do you teach this to students? So it's for teachers, well, actually anyone who works with children to teach them the Regulate, Connect, Reflect framework, the brain-based practices, and then our other products are toolkits. So we have the Generation Wellness app, we have the Family Wellness Toolkit, and we have some other like once a month meetings with schools to make sure they're on track in implementing these strategies. So the toolkits are what they can use in the classroom. I'll give you an example. Generation Wellness app, they can pull up a breathing exercise like the breathing ball, and it will show students leading the breathing exercises. So, the toolkit that they can actually put on their screen, they don't have to teach it. It's lesson plans, it's the audio relaxations, it's all the tools, but the courses are the like
0: information of the why. They're the foundation of everything. Yeah. Right. Why you'd want to do this, and then the application. Cool. Yeah. So, you have six years of experience before coming into this online year, how did, as you kind of had your illness and everything still worked, how were you able to reach the schools, right? Were these relationships you had before? Were these people that just found you and realized we need these tools in our school? I mean, a school sets aside, allocates funding sometimes a year in advance, but I suppose there was a lot of emergency funding to use. So how did you navigate some of those things?
1: Yes. It was mainly word of mouth. We've already worked with the school in person and they were calling us and saying, Lindsay, you keynoted our event two years ago. Do you have anything for staff wellness? That's a course because our staff are really stressed right now. And then I'd be like, well, as a matter of fact, we do. (laughs) So it was mainly that. And then some of our connections decided to offer it and share our courses For us, and they would share with like hundreds of thousands of organizations, and then they would purchase from our site. So it was mainly word of mouth. I'm old school that way. I don't really do social media at all. In fact, our Instagram just got deleted for no reason, and Instagram is so hard to get a hold of. And I'm kind of like, well, maybe this is a sign because I dread social media. I'm all about presence and social connection over social media. And we've always put everything into word of mouth, making the training the best experience anybody has ever been to. That's our goal. And then the word just spreads. Teachers talk, principals talk, superintendents talk. And that's how we've done it for the past
0: seven years now. I love it. What do you think 2021 holds? I mean, we're getting online fatigue a little bit. How do you think that'll affect the impact you're able to make? virtually? And what do you think will happen in the future for you as a previously in-person business? Are you excited to get back to it? Are you kind of like, you know what, this works nicely, this online thing? What do you think is in the future related to this? I think think it's going to be hybrid. And for me, I'm going to
1: have better boundaries for my self-care because sometimes when we're purpose-driven, we will serve when we don't have enough reserve in our own tank. (laughs) And this is what I teach about, but I need to really be better about that. So I've already talked to schools. They're booking in-person trainings right now for August. I think we're going to have a huge boom of in-person events and trainings. I mean, we're all going to come out of our house. Maybe we're going to see people on the street and just start hugging each other. (laughs) I think it's going to be like a connection revolution. We're going to be so grateful to be next to each other once we can. So I think it's going to be hybrid. I think our training, our training staff is amazing. And so I'm learning to surrender and being like, you know what? I don't have to show up at every event or 80% of events. Our trainers are amazing. They can still have this impact and
0: we can do online and in person. Yeah, perfect. It gave you the opportunity to go online. And it gave you the opportunity to step back and not handle everything, even though the road sucked to get there. But would you have done it if, if it wasn't a life or death situation? I don't know, right? Ask any I don't entrepreneur. Think I would yeah. I mean, my friend has
1: this analogy. He says, we get signs and it's like feather, feather, rock truck. So the first line is just like a little feather on your cheek, like, hey, you should listen. (laughs) And then if you don't listen, it's like you get a rock thrown at you. And I feel like 2020 was the truck. Like I seriously got laid out by a truck. I couldn't move in my bed. (laughs) And I don't know if I would have changed. That's the whole thing. Now I just play it like a game because I've realized being in that situation, I didn't have control, even though I thought I had control for so long. And I want to really emphasize because this is important for whoever's listening, going through this, I didn't have a cheerful, positive mindset through a lot of this. Like I was facing so much grief with not knowing if I was going to live, not knowing if I would ever speak again with Generation Wellness. And I'll never forget when one of my trainers called. He said, you need to shut your computer. You need to be okay with not being okay. And it was... Like a permission slip for me to just sit in the grief. And I just, I was crying. I was so sad. And I realized that sitting in the grief, a lot of times, if we can do that on the other side, we can have the gratitude. But it's not like I was just sitting there being like, I'm so grateful for this. You know, (laughs) like it was hard. Now I can look back and be like, thank you. But it was really hard.
0: Well, on that note, were there any, I mean, I know there was, but you kind of have it said as like were there any miracles that really took place when you were in those dark places and those dark days yes there were
1: so many but i'll share a story of my surgeon in november when i went into the hospital for the however many times i've been in and you know i was sitting there i had to say goodbye to my mom again at the doors and it's so hard to say goodbye to your family member when you don't know if you're going to see them and we've done it so much in 2020 So I was alone in the ER and they're like, you have to have emergency surgery. And I remember just being like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this surgery. It's a minor surgery to them. But with what my body has been through, I seriously feel like I may not come out of this. So the surgeon walked in and he's like, hi, I'm Dr. Kaufman. And I looked at him and I just started crying. And I said, Dr. Kaufman, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this surgery. And he said, I know I looked at your chart notes. You've had a really hard 2020. And he got down on his knees. He grabbed my hand, looked me in the eyes and said, I just want you to know that no matter what you've been through this year, I've got you and you are very healthy. You're going to make it out of here just fine. And I want you to know that I've also had a hard 2020. My son passed away this year and it was unexpected. And we just had this moment of vulnerability. We were both crying And then he started cracking jokes and they were hysterically laughing together and then crying and laughing. And I was just like, he is an angel. I believe there's angels among us, miracles all around. And you know, when you're alone in a hospital bed, about to go to surgery, I don't know anybody in the hospital, but he was the person who gave me hope. And I ended up sending him a gratitude gift, a mug, a thank you card. And it's just like, Ordinary people have the power to do extraordinary things. And he was just doing his job, but I will never forget that moment.
0: Oh. Never. (laughs) I just have to let that sink in for a moment. (laughs) Kind of a big deal. (laughs) Kind of a big one. Kind of a big one. Oh man. And there were so many angels
1: throughout this, miracles, whatever you want to call it. And that's another lesson through all of this is I wanna be somebody's miracle now that I'm well again. And I know what it feels like to go to the grocery store and get lost in the grocery store and feel like nobody understands. Like I look normal, but if you try to talk to me, I'm not, I don't feel normal. I'm getting lost and going through all of that of like so much uncertainty now that I'm feeling well, I want to be a stranger's miracle. I want to be a friend's miracle. You know, I have so much more, like I want to give back because so many people gave to me in 2020. So. Oh
0: that is so beautiful. like it's I knew we were gonna have this a good conversation today. <laughs> Gosh, we're kind of like coming full circle from the last year. I would like to think, and now you're back feeling ninety percent you're helping educators, entrepreneurs. You were taught a lot of life lessons that maybe you didn't want in twenty twenty right It's kind of how life can be to us sometimes. So you are helping others like find balance and wellness in their lives rather than burnout, which I think we're going to see this. We are seeing like this wave of like trauma at the top of bubbling up to the top and, and burnout and whatnot. And you are not big into canned curriculums. Um You're big on what do what resonates with you. Can you speak to this overall? What would you say to these teachers and these people who feel that have been kind of deflated this year and feel like they've kind of had the wind knocked out of their sails? Yes,
1: I would say first, hearing the permission to pause can be powerful. So to any teacher, any mom out there, any human being, just having the permission to pause and not doing the laundry right away or not getting to the dishes and letting yourself to just be is so important. And as far as, yeah, canned curriculums, we're not big into because as a teacher, I saw how my students learned very differently. And as adults, we operate differently. So why would I tell a teacher they have to do this this way? We're teaching life skills. You can't can that in a curriculum. So what we do is we provide 40 to 100 options. And in our live trainings, they're experiencing all the options and feeling what resonates with them and then choosing from there. And really, if you want to take this and make it applicable today, the five happiness habits are the foundation of this. So Sean Anchor, he's a Harvard researcher. He researches happiness for a living. And from the research, it emerged that these five simple practices, if they're done daily, will increase your happiness dramatically. So they are gratitude, writing down three things you're grateful for each day because it primes the brain to look for the good rather than you know our safety amygdala looking for what's wrong. The next one is exercise at least 20 minutes a day. And we've all heard this. And then the next one is the doubler. And I had never heard of the doubler before, but it's simply just telling one person, one joyful event that happened in the last 24 hours. So you double the serotonin level in your brain and your brain doesn't know the difference of you experiencing that joyful event or you telling it. So we actually do the doubler in schools where students are constantly telling their friends what is one positive thing that happened in the past 24 hours. And it's not substantial like I went to Disneyland yesterday. It's like (laughs) I went on a walk with my golden retriever. It was fun, you know, like the little joyful moments. And then the next one is kindness. So one conscious act of kindness, not random, because usually if it's not scheduled, it's not real. So one conscious act of kindness, it could be to smile at five strangers. It doesn't have to involve money and a lot of time, but one conscious act of kindness. And lastly, is at least five minutes of stillness every day. And for some of us, that can be the hardest one to sit down and just be still. For some people, their stillness is on a walk and taking some time to pause in nature. For some people, it's hiding in their closet from their three kids, and having five minutes of quiet time. But just doing those, if you just picked one, really big on picking the one thing, not trying to do 20 different things, but just pick one thing that resonates with you and try it out for a month
0: and see how it goes. It's really nice. I'm going to repeat them. It was... I hope I got them all. Gratitude. Three things. Writing down three things you're grateful for each day because there's something different to writing it down to look... It helps you program to look for the good. Exercising at least 20 minutes a day to boost those endorphins and the doubler. Yeah, which yeah. is telling per I think I have one, two, three, four, I miss one kindness, conscious acts of kindness, um, yeah. and five minutes of stillness. Maybe I have yeah. like six, I don't know what I have the doubler oh, yeah. tell one person one one joy, one great event that happened the last 24 hours, a conscious act of kindness and five minutes of stillness. These are beautiful. Is this you're saying is practice the practice? Is this your routine? Or do you frame this in a different way for yourself?
1: Yes, I'm all about practicing the practice. And for me, my practice is regulate, connect, reflect because it ties in with the brain. And, you know, when we take a look at the happiness habits, they can all be put in that category. Regulate is exercise. Connect is kindness. Reflect is stillness. I mean, we can categorize pretty much everything into regulate, connect, reflect. If we could just do that once a day we are going to experience less stress and more success because we're slowing down. We're filling our own cups so that we can serve from
0: our overflow. Mm, That's beautiful, Lindsay. I look forward to that TED Talk that comes out in (laughs) 2021. Where can people find you online? Yes, they can find us online at
1: generationwellness.com. If you're an educator or a corporation who's interested in wellness, And you can find us at generationbusiness.co if you're a purpose-driven entrepreneur who wants a little extra help building your courses. And we have a team that will build it for you so you can get back to doing what you love with more freedom in your life. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on today. Yes, thank you.